From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in 100% Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha LaCroix, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our pal and yours, Holly Harrison, joins us to discuss completionism and educating intuition. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. Holly's here. <laughs> Hip hop horn. <laughs> I think it's better when you say it. Hip hop horn. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Just moments ago, I was like, I never know how to come in with it. And here we are <laughs> replicating that experience. An- another successful uh, introduction to Holly. Yep. Hi. Uh, who joins us for no reason other than fun. Who doesn't want Holly on the episode? Yeah. yeah. Um, but Holly, you've brought a topic for us. I did. Um, great. Yeah. I want to talk about completionism. Cool. Well, we'll get into that in a moment. And Stephen will uh, thank you to no end for taking his slot so we didn't have to come up with a topic. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I just got back from vacation. You did. And... I'm not at all refreshed. Well, it's one of those vacations. Because I'm really bad at vacations. Like, I'm, I'm really bad at vacations. I might even mention this when we were talking about before I went on this thing. Mm. But I went to Toronto to go see the Toronto International Film Festival, yeah. which is a thing I've done once before many years ago and I really liked. Um, and uh, I turned 40 this year and the 40th anniversary of the to- uh, Talking Heads uh, concert movie Stop mm. Making Sense was having its big IMAX premiere for its big remaster re-release at the festival, so I'm like, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went, and uh, it was great. And uh, Dale and I saw like 28 movies. That's a lot of movies. So many. Uh, we were at a bunch of world premieres. Wow. Uh, which was really cool. Um, and because the strike was happening, there weren't a lot of like actors. So it wasn't right. very, oh. it wasn't very like um, red carpety, which was mm-hmm. great. <laughs> I was just, you know, the director showed up and talked. Mm-hmm. There were some actors there, either they got a waiver from SAG-AFTRA or the international cast. Yeah. And so it was like just the right amount huh. of like cool. of that nonsense, frankly. Okay. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Um, saw some good stuff. Two movies I really want to highlight um, that I do hope get distribution and a lot of people see. One is called Lost Ladies. Uh, it's an Indian uh, film about uh, uh, two couples uh, set in 2001. Traditional marriages uh, in India. Veil, the wife is veiled out in public. It's like a whole, there's a whole uh, a protocol to it. Uh, they're traveling from their um, home villages to their in-laws' villages on a train. Mm-hmm. They're wearing roughly the same outfits, and they get switched and end up at, at different stops. And and so it's a bit of a comedy premise, yeah. but the movie takes it seriously and justifies it. It's not like a madcap movie. Okay. It's very sweet. It's a fun movie about something. Mm. The performances are incredible. Lots of first-time feature film actors in it. Um, the lead performance is especially just astounding. Yeah. Um, and I just – it was just – such a great, I mean, I just loved it so much. Cool. Um, I, I, he wanted to describe it in a way that convinced you all how good <laughs> the convinced. movie was. I'm convinced. But the yes. thing is, is yeah, it, it wasn't, it didn't have any particular like uh, structural gimmick or it wasn't like experimental or daring. It was just really well made a and a story one. you don't always see. Yeah. And it took what could be a kind of high concept, goofy premise. And once you got those laughs out of the way, it starts getting really in depth. The two women are very different and they have different paths through the different backgrounds, but also different goals. And you see what this, with this moment, how they either, they take advantage of it. Yeah. It's so, so good. Great ensemble cast. I really love that movie. I hope it gets distribution. It's a movie that like, you know, um, you know, it, uh, 
people talk about like subtitled movies don't do well in America. I think frankly that's not true. Yeah. I just think that they just don't get released very often because there are so many other movies. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't yeah. think Americans have any problem with subtitles. Yeah. I just think that they have plenty of options. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really the only problem. But this is a movie I think could be very uh, uh, popular. Yeah. Um, not just good. I think it's very accessible. Yeah. So I loved it. Lost Ladies. Look it up. Very good. The other one I, I um, well, I saw lots of really good ones, but I can't go into them all. <laughs> one more I'll mention. Uh, Robot Dreams. It's based on a graphic novel. It's a it's an animated movie, a 2D animated movie. 90 minutes, no dialogue, all sort of silent. Um, stars a robot and a, do- uh, and a dog Woo-hoo. being friends. Yeah. And Aww. so already a robot is in it. So, you know, <laughs> so you're on board. You know I'm there for the world premiere, yep, yep. of course. Um, no Regrets, fantastic movie. A real great snapshot of New York. Um, if you, you know, uh, I don't have any particular tie to New York. I know it as much as anybody. Yeah. Um, but it's very much a love letter to that city. Lots of specifics in there. It's really cool. Okay. Um, and it's just very sweet and humanist for a movie with no humans. Um, love that. So I really, really liked it. Um, so l- yeah, look up that uh, graphic novel and then, uh, check to see if that movie's coming out somewhere. Cause it really should. What kind of dog was it? Um, cartoon dog. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's the best I can do for you. Okay, cool. (laughs) Another reason to watch it. Yep. (laughs) And then uh, I did promise that when I was in Toronto, I would write a new piece of music. I think I demanded that. Right. (laughs) So I brought my little, uh, little teeny keyboard and I did on my last day. Um, I checked out of the hotel. I had all day before my plane. Mm -hmm. So I went to Queens park, uh, in Toronto Set up my laptop on a picnic table yeah. and wrote a piece of music, um, which I'm going to play for you right now. Yes, 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 yes. Ah! I like this part. It's a good vibe. Stay tuned, there's a third part coming. Oh, snap! <laughs> Ooh. And then it just restarts. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's great! Oh my sweet, god! Sweet Toronto sounds. <laughs> sounds like it sounds like being in a, like a park on a bright sunny day. That's great. Well, it was bright for a bit, then it got cold. <laughs> it is. That was the brisk part. That's why there's no proper outro because it was like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> we'll get out of here. Freezing. Uh, that's great. So uh, yeah, I had fun doing that. But it's mm. the last time I told this story before. But the last time I was in Toronto, I wrote a bunch of music. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wrote like six or seven songs. I managed one song on this trip. <laughs> I think it's because that I saw because I saw so many movies. Right. It really like packed my schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is just that's like conference me. It's like mm-hmm. use every minute. Yes. Which is like that's not what you do on vacation, idiot. <laughs> but you know, you can't have a vacation and a conference. At the same time, no, just not, so. not not unless you pack a lot of days before well, and see, after. This is called a festival. So oh, right. So it's. I mean, I he, it was right. fun. It just wasn't relaxing. Yeah. I, so it wasn't really fun. a vacation. It was just. It was an adventure. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, honestly, it's the best I can manage. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I did about as well as you could ever expect me to enjoy some time off. I mean, you had a good time. That's what's important. Yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. In the traditional sense, I'm like, because I, I, I mean, I, 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 all the things you do on vacation, you fall behind on other stuff. Yeah. It's supposed to be worth it. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like I'm so tired, you guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll ask you again next week. Right. I got back last night, so I'm yeah. definitely still feeling it. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Um, that's fair. But uh, there you go. Canadian. Uh, you know, I, didn't even I wrote this song yesterday. It's like, that's how like lost <laughs> oh, wow. in time I am. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh. Wow. Yesterday you were in a sunny park. For a little while, then it got cold. And then it got, <laughs> that is a little bit of a trip. Are yeah. you like trying to transition into the topic or? I'm not. I mean, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, segue, I if, you're I, doing terribly. If, if I were, I would be doing a really bad okay. job. Uh-huh. Is that you, your transition? Into no, the it's topic not. Here? But we're gonna go ahead and move on. Okay. Holly, right. oh, save us, please. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was gonna build a segue real quick, and it just wasn't. Big fan of Toronto. Um. <laughs> big fan of games. Speaking of. <laughs> Wow, bold. <sighs> yeah, you have to try. I mean, I admire your courage. <laughs> so I want to talk about completionism. Okay. <laughs> um, for a couple of reasons, this has been on my mind. Uh, first of all, I am playing um, Sea of Stars. So this is ah. going to be a mostly spoiler, 98% spoiler free review of where uh-huh. I am okay. right now. But just 2% when you least expect it. <laughs> <laughs> this is bring it on. Really important 2%. <laughs> uh, and this person dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I won't do that. Um, so I'm at the end, end game of Sea of Stars. Every time I save my game, uh, they have a little label for where you are in the game. And it keeps saving as the final hour. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been there for five? <laughs> yeah, for more than one, yeah. for sure. Um, and it, I'm, I'm just uh, like tooling around the world trying to finish some things up because yeah. I'm just not quite ready to be done with this experience yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, throughout the game, already had this problem where they have a good mini game or game within their game. It's a pub game called Wheels. Um, and I won't explain it because I won't do it justice, but it's a lot of fun. And they would be kind of giving me overplot of like, there's, <laughs> there's a, a big existential threat happening. And I'll be like, yeah, but do you think that town has like a wheels table or <laughs> <laughs> like if, <laughs> if I, I bet that mountain that like <laughs> that volcano isn't going to have a wheels player there. And I'm not sure I want to check it out yet. <laughs> uh, I've been meaning to play more wheels. Yeah. Um, Anyway, <laughs> while I've been doing this, they, you know, they queued up the kind of bluntly like there's a final boss and you can go there now or mm-hmm. you can do these other little missions. And some of them even explicitly, the characters were like, I know you're busy, but <laughs> what if we like joined a uh, fighting tournament <laughs> and so on? And I've I've just been doing them. I don't know if I'll do all of them because my second part is I'm not as much of a completionist as I used to be, but I was just kind of passively thinking to myself, like how I know that this game has multiple endings. I've just heard that, that there's a true Hmm. ending and there's other endings. And I'm just, I've been thinking to myself how like this game has the opportunity to do the funniest thing, which would be to punish me for killing time before the final boss. (laughs) And just be like, you messed up. (laughs) (laughs) We told you (laughs) that this guy was bad. 
uh, and you went and played more wheels games. <laughs> Each hour you spend ignoring the final hour, you're going to get a worse ending. Mm-hmm. Um, no game would do that. And I was, but I was just like, <laughs> like chuckling to myself uh, about the idea of it happening and how mad gamers would be. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other reason I've been thinking about it is I stopped being motivated to 100% games and I've been trying to figure out why that is. I didn't ever, at no point was I 100%ing 100% of my games. Sure, yeah. Um, but I was more likely to do it and less likely to be like, eh, pass. Um, and so I tried to do a little research into the psychology of completionism before coming here today emphasis on little and um it led me down a couple of different tracks um so first just um because why not a primer on side quests a primer <laughs> okay cool cool let me scroll to where i actually a brief have diversion that. from the yeah. yeah 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 trunk of the issue <laughs> yes yeah to a little thing yeah called side quests and i'm gonna <laughs> exactly yeah we're gonna interrupt this timing and this flow and bring you somewhere else um, and it's well, that gonna... pretty much explains it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna start. It's gonna sound like I'm gonna give you a big primer, but I just have these stats, and I think it's interesting. So forgive me for going way back. Okay. The year is 1986. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> some of you are alive. Some of you are just eggs. That's me. Egg. Don't oh. brag. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Actually, I was an egg too. <laughs> I forget. Which uh, month? I don't know. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> we'll we'll put All it right. in the show notes. It's very important whether we at what point of development everyone yep, yep. was at. I'm just kidding. We won't. Um, okay. So 1986-ish, depending on what, like who whose account you believe mm. um, was kind of when side quests started happening in games. Mm-hmm. So um, Dragon Quest on the NES was one of the first games um, where the player had the option to outright skip certain objectives. Um, also, 1986 was, um, I don't know which Legend of Zelda game it was, the first Legend of Zelda game, maybe? Sounds right, yeah. Um, you had the option to five to find five hidden heart containers that you could choose to find or not. Mm. Um, and a couple years later, um, there's a game called Pool of Radiance, uh, which was a licensed D&D game, and it had a few optional quests and also quests that would, I I think um, what I read was it was quests that would affect how the NPCs thought of you oh, or yeah. how loyal they oh. would be. So cool. literally taking it from the D&D mm-hmm. handbook right, and, right. and pulling that in. Um, and from there, from those humble beginnings, now you have side quests in virtually every game. Yeah. Right, um, right. Whether they're like actual things that will stop the main like thrust of the plot, or you will have a subquest where you're finding, you know, coins, um, yeah. like <laughs> on your way through this zombie-ridden hellscape. Mm-hmm. As um, one does, as one does, like oh, the state quarter. <laughs> For some reason, the, the, whenever I, the thing I always use for that is feathers because that was Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. 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 Yeah, oh. like, and for some reason, that's the one that's, I guess that was when I first realized it this was, is stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was referenced a lot and negatively yeah. in the things <laughs> I read. Those like feathers, because there are different types of side quests that serve different functions, both from like player's perspective and dev's perspective. So I can't say I know a lot from the dev's perspective, but I it can be a way to like flex your creative muscle and try different things that aren't going to be supportive in the main game. There's that. Yep. Um, it's a pacing thing. Um, yes. <laughs> it spreads out just the like constant action of the main story. If you want to have some side quests, mm-hmm. um, quests can lend depth to the world and background to the characters. 
Um, there's quest side quests for leveling up and learning new mechanics and getting loot. Um, and then there's the much hated and less frequent nowadays because of all the hate, busy work and fetch quests. Yeah. So getting mm-hmm. lots of feathers, getting lots of treasure chests, getting 50 of a flower and bringing it back to the alchemist kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which just seemed to be a bid for spending more time in the game yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. not really enriching anyone's experience. Mm-hmm. But if you really like the environment of a game, mm-hmm. like yeah. why not? Why not go pick 50 flowers? You know, you know? I find that there are, I mean, I guess it's really easy just to like crap on the whole endeavor. Yeah. But pretty much most, especially open world games that have a lot of this sort of thing, if you start them early in your experience, it's also a good way to like familiarize yourself with like the map yeah. or, or mm-hmm. discover certain things, certain like quest lines that are more pivotal if you're just sort of forced to wander around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was definitely true in, in the, the last two Zelda games. It's yeah. a big part of that. But then that runs out Really, once it no longer serves that need, yeah, then it gets extremely frustrating, mm-hmm. yeah, right, because there's nothing else it's there for. Yet there's so much of it left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's um, there are some studies I saw just like a list of them, and <laughs> this is like the least helpful information. <laughs> but um, when like you kind of loot, people tend to lose their motivation when like they know the reward isn't worth it yeah i guess like it has to be either a mystery or something they really want otherwise they're gonna be like i don't care um i love to find a korok um i love that they're not telling me (laughs) (laughs) i love them too it's the best depends on the korok for me those what? ones you got to bring the Korok to the other Korok, those got real old. I mark the map okay. and move on. Exactly. That's true. Sometimes I do that. I like I, I look around. I'm like, do, do we have all the tools here to get that? Co- uh, are we going to have to like change levels? Am right. I going to have to fly with yeah. you today, Korok? <laughs> exactly. Because you need Am to I reach your friend. Or it's, yeah. your, it's your own fault. Yeah. Like, do I have to go get my horse or do I have my horse? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> just stumbling upon a Korok is nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, sidebar, side quest. Saw a TikTok <laughs> the other day of someone pretending that their house chores were Korok quests. Mm, so, smart, like, smart. like, yeah, putting like all their pens in the pen cup and then going, like, yeah, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, gamify your life. <laughs> That way, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll come across a Korok, or what I know is it going to be a Korok, because like I can tell now. Yeah, yeah. and and I just like, oh, all right, fine. Because if I don't do it now, I'm never going to run into this. Exactly. Again. Yep. Yep. It's, it's all like, you have to do is like move a rock. Yeah, but no, at the end of the world. I just, uh. It's one. It's a one minute diversion. Sometimes I don't know. Yeah, I agree. You're like, just like sometimes I'm like, all right, a Korok, cool. And other times I'm like, oh man, you're gonna make me do this real fast. It feels like you're late. You're late for lunch. Downtown, <laughs> and then you see then, you're like, oh, you I gotta, hear that, like, I gotta pick up that, that litter and throw it away. Yeah, so I'll feel like a bad person, right? That's what on um, these Koroks. <laughs> that are is like. exactly what it feels like. <laughs> That's Unbelievable. so interesting because I, I can be late for going downtown uh-huh. and see a cool rock and be like, Ooh, I'm gonna <laughs> pick that up no. and, uh, and people, move it. People are built different, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I absolutely like it's it's a treat. I'm like, Yeah, That's I'm a on my rock. way to go help these. These there's clearly a divide in this table. <laughs> yeah. See people who are all upset that there's mud everywhere, and I'm right. like, wow, they got, they got bigger problems. Like the people on this mountain are on drugs, and like you're upset about the mud. Like get over it. And then I see like it's an oddly placed little acorn. <laughs> yeah. You know what? <laughs> what's I wonder what's there? 
Oh, that's great. I'm jealous of that. And I'm like, oh, and I'm, like <laughs> I'm gonna wonder. make my inventory bigger with this. I'm gonna go get to see a giant Korok dance. Yeah, but you have to do it like Maracas. at a certain point. You have to do it like thirty times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and each time I'm getting closer to an incredible dance. Morocco. I wonder if this divide is like how we feel about completionism. And- <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. let's go on. Yeah. Good, good, good idea, Stephen. Um, I want to whine about Korok seeds some more. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so side quests. Uh, um, it's uh, I was looking. At, it was like a 2017 article yeah. um, in Game Informer. It was written by it was written by David Milner, and um, it was an interview with a few different triple A's, and it was talking about their approach to side quests. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting seeing it. No, no one was like, yeah, these are like the throwaway things that we waste development time on. <laughs> Obviously, they wouldn't say that. <laughs> it, I, I think actually earlier in the article, and uh, Milner said like. Uh, so creating all this extra content seems like not very intuitive for meeting your bottom line, Mm. um, putting out games on time, etc. (laughs) But they are fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, the overall discussion kind of led to, well, this is 2017, so it was already quite a while ago. Um, but was talking about like there being less of a delineation between main quest lines and side quests Mm -hmm. and talking about how just as much love and care and um, polish goes into every side quest made by say Bioware um, yeah. as the main quest. Yeah. Um, and that this is just, this is part of games and uh, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Anyway, so circling, like coming out of that and going to completionism and 100%ing things, I um, kind of approach it on my own from just knowing that like you get a quick hit of dopamine when finishing a simple task like the same thing applies to to do lists in the real world when yeah. you get to be like done mm-hmm. like that feels good um i know that like spending more time in a game than i quote unquote have to like it's like a good mix of focused and rote attention like it's challenging me but not frustrating me it's a nice little escape whatever um i there is a piece that like you can tell the <laughs> This is just another good example of many of headlines and pieces not quite matching up because headline writers are often a different role than the folks on the editorial of the piece. Um, yeah, okay. But like the the headline definitely sets up a more negative tone than the overall piece took. So, but okay. I'll give you the headline. Uh, it's a 2017 piece in Vice by Matthew Galt called uh, Confessions of a Semi-Reformed Video Game Completionist. So <laughs> you can see that's coming from at, at it from a like. Video games ruined my life, but not really. <laughs> like, it was very generous. It was like, hey, if you want to invest more time in this game, if you don't want this experience to be over, good news. There's a bunch of side quests. Right. Yeah. Um, but also, like, took a, just a look at the psychology of completionism and 100%ing things um, and talked to Douglas Gentile. He does a lot of uh, research on video game addiction or just like pathological playing of video games and kind of when something tips into being like a, a nice way to pass your time and turn off your brain and a hobby into like your your life is suffering because you're you're getting all these feathers. Yeah. Um <laughs> and uh uh Gentile just broke it down um and said that it really all boils down to this psychological concept called self-determination theory. Mm-hmm. Um which 
you've probably talked about before, but suggests that humans have a hierarchy of needs represented handily by A, B, and C. So A is autonomy. We want to feel like we're in control. Yeah. B is belonging. We want to feel connected to the others. Mm -hmm. And C is competence. We want to feel like we're good at whatever we're doing. So we're just intrinsically motivated as humans to do things that satisfy at least one of those needs. Games satisfy a lot of them. And spending more time in, in a game and getting to 100% is just a nice way to be like, I can do this thing perfectly. Mm-hmm. I have control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see an endpoint. I'm crossing things off my list. And at least in my case, like it's usually easier to be sitting playing a video game than doing other things on my list mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. in in general. And I know that even though I've been less of a completionist now in my life, that there is still something that happens to me when I start a new game with like a big empty map, like full of collectibles mm-hmm. and items. I'm just like, Woo! <laughs> let's go. <laughs> There's so much game in front of me. Um, and and like if if that continues to be fun the whole time, that's great. If it ever tips into being like another day, another stupid collectible, <laughs> that's when you're not having like that's when you're punishing yourself. That's when completionism is work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it goes from unwinding and like maybe avoiding your problems <laughs> and enjoying that there's a checklist built into it. Um, to being not harmful, but I, at minimum a waste of time. That's when when I start to feel like yeah. the stereotype of people looking in on a gamer and being like, "Spend all your time in front of that screen." It's like, yeah, I could also spend it in front of a book, like, and you wouldn't be making fun of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not unless it was like the eighteen hundreds when attitudes were almost identical. Right? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I think about that all the time. Like when people are described as bookish and like Jane Austen, I was like, well, what is she supposed to be doing? <laughs> She can't watch TV. She can't go out. Yeah. She can't play card games, probably. It's probably not allowed. So she's either going to like play a little piano or read a book. It's like her two options for hobbies. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't that, I mean, to go back to what Mark was just saying, like I thought the, the, the like looking down on someone for being bookish at that period was more about what types of books they were reading than mm. the fact that they were reading a lot. Like if you were... Bookish and it's, sure. uh, it's because you're reading novels and yeah. things, flights of fancy. Things that the ladies read. <laughs> <laughs> Which today are like this challenging classical literature. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, long story long, um, I definitely stopped being motivated to 100% games and hmm. I, I'll, I'll like spend more time in a game if I want to. Like I played through all of Zelda and I was like, Let's let's keep finding those Koroks. Yeah. And I'm definitely motivated to do quests that support um, storyline and character development and the like writerly things that I love the game for. But other than that, I'm like, as soon as I'm like, oh, that sounds hard. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't really want to like find this special thing and hit it with a special hammer to find a special code to whatever. Like, yeah. I don't really care anymore. Um, and it's not because like, Time has gotten more precious to me. Yeah, <laughs> not because of some like cool like you sea wish that change. Was why. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I I wish I could say I was having, having like a s- sweet beautiful life outside of video games. <laughs> that sounds so dark. <laughs> more oh, sweet and beautiful than previously. Yeah. It's not a big. Ch- it's not that. I it could be like that. Could recover. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> it could be that I moved from playing a lot of games on PlayStation, which has an achievement system and trophies, yeah. to playing games on Switch, which doesn't. Mm. Um, mm. 
I also I've never really been a person who likes hard mode for the sake of hard mode. Like uh, life is hard and I don't feel the need to like have a hard, bad time like playing video games. Cool for if you if that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Weird if you judge people for that not being their thing. Like, yeah. What a non-transferable skill. Like, oh, you're yeah. really good at. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm not. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you still get excited when there's the big pile of stuff on the map. Yeah. I'm still like, whoa, so much game. And then then eventually I'm like, I'm done. I find that so interesting because I feel like we've talked a little bit about how we feel about completing a game. Yeah. uh, You know, uh, uh, as it happens. We're talking in in past topics. Yep. Yep. And it seems as though we all end up in the same place, Mm -hmm. which is that there's too much stuff to do. I'm psychologically motivated to keep doing it. Yeah. And then at some point, it's a breaking point where I can just set myself free of it and finish the final boss and and be done with it. But it does. But we all come to it sort of differently. So like I personally, I like I just started Starfield because it's on Game Pass Uh and I like space stuff. I'm tired of fantasy world. So I'm like, finally, a Bethesda game for me. Yeah. And. I started and immediately I'm like, this is not going to work, is it? <laughs> like, I mean, there's going to be too much stuff to do. I'm like, yeah. not intimidated. I'm just like frustrated by what I know is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. When there's too much options too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, it's, I hear all about the ship configurator. I'm like, oh, I'm going to waste so much time in that. <laughs> I, I dread that happening. Dang. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, uh, but I think I end up in the same place that you do, Holly, is like doing a lot of stuff, enjoying it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I get over that initial thing if a game is good enough. But then I do find that where it's just like, all right, that's enough. Yeah. It's it's the the that hill is too high. My psychological tricks aren't working on me anymore. I'm done now. Yeah. Um, Definitely Bethesda games for me in the past have been when I like I should specify when I see a big empty map, I'm like, woo. <laughs> when I see like a very full like Ubisoft Assassin's Creed map, that's like here's so many circles. Yeah. Of, oh, with all with it filled in with all the yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm like I, I start to strategize and I'm like, okay, well, I'm on my way here. And that means I can hit that, that, and that. Mm-hmm. Um, almost the same way that I would like plan, like over plan a trip yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind it, but I definitely have more fun with, say, Zelda, um, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and Breath of the Wild. Like those side quests being like, I'm constantly discovering something new instead of heading down like a samey looking alley. Yeah. Um, that's. Definitely a lot more because there's like adventure and discovery and a joy instead of grind. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Which makes a big difference for hmm. me. But still, uh, I'm, I'm like, and I'll, I'll, I, I find myself like creating my own mini games in life and games where I'm like, <laughs> I want to get all the armor or like creating my own checklists. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I want to take all the pictures. Like, this game is, this is just Hyrule Snap from here on out <laughs> and like I'm gonna get like so many good pictures of all the animals yeah um <laughs> and like and that doesn't bother me but I'll, I'll give up before I 100% it probably because that ticker isn't there sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but yeah I'm just and maybe is it is it because there are just so many games <laughs> it's and partially like, that you know what I need to move on it could you know it's funny because we talked about we talked about grind on a round table a couple weeks ago mm. um and I'm I'm struggling right now to connect that conversation directly to this one, but there are pieces that are kind of sparking in both places of my my brain right now. Um, and I think one of the things that either makes the grind part of the fun, or I mean, it's something that makes the grind part of the fun, um, or perhaps like makes it not feel grindy, even though it's a bunch of side quests. Yeah, um, is that end goal? 
Yeah, and you can see you're making progress towards something. A prog- yeah, so having yeah. that ticker, I mean, that it's all still in your head. Like you have a goal and you can make progress for it. But having that like little ticker, that little bar that's filling up or the list of check marks or whatever is a way to just l- lessen the psychological lift on your own brain to a point where it's not work to f- keep track of your progress. And then it, it can it lets you, if it's going to happen at all, lets you sit into that space where fun can happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's really interesting because it's like the difference between grind and completionism in some games is, um, yeah, how much psychological burden you have to hold on yourself to make that progress. Yeah. Uh, one one thing that stuck uh, with me that you were that you had brought up, Holly, is that like people oftentimes like try to hundred percent something because like they just want to stay in that world mm-hmm. and never and never really thought about it until. Now that like I think a lot of the games that I have tended to want to get a hundred percent in or whatever, I just really enjoyed. Not necessarily, maybe it's the world or maybe it's just the the gameplay or mechanics or something. But um, I just really enjoyed that aspect of it, and so like I would stick with that. Well, the last game that I hundred percent in was Forspoken, um, and I I did really enjoy that world, and I very much enjoyed the game, uh, the the play of it. Um, and so like I just kept playing because I was like I don't want to stop. I want to keep moving around in this world. Um, so I just kept doing it. And then eventually I was like, oh, now I've been playing it long enough. I guess I should do the achievement. <laughs> and that felt terrible because I felt like I was betraying my own ideals. And <laughs> but it I did just, it anyway. Something got to you. It got its hooks in you. And you're like, I got to check this list. Yeah. 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 Um, there but, is something to be said, too, yeah. about like uh, making tangible progress towards something. Unless yeah. you're like remodeling a house or something like lots of life's tasks don't feel like you're making tangible progress toward like an end goal like you do your check your to-do list at work each day and then you just do it the next day Mm -hmm. and the next day and yeah sometimes you launch a game or you know launch a project and that's great and then you just go back to literally the grind (laughs) well Um, now that there's patches and stuff you still have a checklist it's just now (laughs) people are telling you what the checklist yeah yeah Yeah. now there's other people yelling at you for not doing a task that you didn't know you had right yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) um yeah it's yeah. it's it's yeah I, I guess that makes sense because i feel like i don't tend to feel well i don't know sometimes i feel motivated to complete a thing just because like i when i feel like when i stop playing a game is when i stop feeling like there's new gameplay things i can experience um a lot of the time um because i'm not as motivated through narrative um and so i think that like i will like play a game until i've unlocked most of the things that i'm interested in, in the tech tree or whatever um and then i'll be like okay i did it and then i'll move on to something else um, but I think it does help to just have, just see what is available because otherwise if I don't know, I guess if I don't know what's available, I can't make, I can't decide that like I'm interested in that thing. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. Makes sense. It's interesting. I think all three of you have, have leaned on that as being a better, but sometimes I like not having a tracker because it frees me of having to get to a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, that too. You know, that, that is sometimes the hundred percent can be kind of like burdensome right even I if i know, know i'm gonna give up at 92 or whatever yeah but like but then not knowing how far how many corex i've got unless i have to write it down on a napkin that i think is good it means i'm i don't i'm not as worried about getting all those guys to their friends like yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know um and you also don't know like well it's time to stop like i only have two corex left i don't know where they are <laughs> yeah, yeah game's over <laughs> yeah well, yeah, that definitely was in Breath of the Wild, where once I got all the shrines, because I knew how many there were, yeah, and I roughly had an idea of, of how many I had, um, that felt attainable. But then I'm like, I, I got enough of the Koroks that I could have gone for them 
you know, I, I guess I did. I mean, I, I, I talk a big game on how much I hate it, but like if, the, if it was like you found 210 out of 300, yeah. I could have easily been like, all right, dig in. It's time to get those last yeah. 90. Yeah. I think you actually said, I, cause I was trying to do my research to make sure I wasn't repeating topics, but I think you were talking about like Metro prime or something, mm-hmm. Mark. And you, you were talking about seeing, getting near the end of the game and wondering if you were at like 30% completion or 80% completion. Cause if you were at 80%, you were like, all right, I'll keep going. And if you're at 30%. And he would be like, no, yeah, <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's enough of that game for me. Mm. Uh, it was a uh, Metroid Dread, and yeah. Ellen, yes. Ellen, you, we talked about. We had very different approaches to what it felt like to get at the end, but yeah. we did a similar thing, mm-hmm. which was I've seen enough. I'm happy with it. Time to stop. Yeah, I think I got to a point where I was like, okay, there are two more collectibles. There are two more things you can get. I know where that one is, and I know where that one is. <laughs> it's there if I want it, but and I do not have the skill or the patience to get the skill to get that other one and I can't remember the why I, maybe it was only down to one I might have only down to one that I, I didn't get mm-hmm. Metroid is a good example yeah. well at least for me because like I feel like I play through a Metroid game and I'm like I get to the end I'm like I'm good I don't feel like getting the 100% <laughs> yeah. because like the game doesn't expand you just get more missiles like that doesn't make the game any <laughs> yeah. more interesting or fun it's super fun to crush the boss though yeah, I was going to say Ellen definitely has a retort to that <laughs> <laughs> I okay. something I find myself doing like kind of related to the same thing like I did this with Zelda too yeah. is I like get to a point where I'm very near the end of the game or I've like beat the boss but not 100% of it and I like want to go back to the beginning with all the knowledge I had yeah. and go and do it like faster and better yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is like the same like instinct it's kind of like a perfectionism thing like now watch me watch me do this really fast i'm going to go to all the right towns at all the right times and i'm going to spend my rupees on all the right things (laughs) and i'm going to be i'm crushing this (laughs) for those keeping track at home well that's i mean that's what new game plus was invented for yeah yeah Yeah. which always feels a little i don't have that that sense so so that new game plus has always seemed a little foreign to me but the way you describe it is like oh that's why that's there is because that's a natural feeling you you might have yeah, like watch me be good at it. Yeah. It's, it's so dependent on the game for me. Like I, I do love replaying the Metroid series because I know where all the things are yeah. for some of the games. And then, you know, when I have all those things, I can try to dump as many super missiles into the end boss as I possibly can, <laughs> um, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, but like with Breath of the Wild, for example, I just want to ride the pony around. <laughs> so like yeah. I'll do fetch quests and I don't really care if I get it all done because it's just another excuse to ride the pony to the edge of the map. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wee. Yeah. It's because like the movement in that game is so is so amazing and that's like really rewarding to me. Yeah. Um it's just different different parts of the game that like glom onto. Yeah. Well, this is similar to like when we were talking about grind, we kind of started circling a similar thing we're doing right now, which is that Sometimes, sometimes it's really just dependent on the game. Yeah, hmm. like mm-hmm. I think for me, I like I don't want that measure because I don't want to be locked into that. But then I'm like, well, there's definitely some games. Like I think about the only game I've ever platinum on PlayStation was the Prince of Persia remake from like 2007. Mm. Oh yeah, and I just because it was really manageable. Yeah, yeah, mm. it still took a long time, and sure. it was still a lot. It was still hard, and I had a lot to do. But like I could, I could hold it all in my head, mm-hmm. and I could get all those those things because it was a simpler setup it wasn't yeah. it wasn't so complicated and i yeah. didn't have to go to menus to track a bunch of stuff right um but i did but i was keep but the trophy system did keep track of how close i was to each trophy so um so i sometimes it, i guess it seems like topics like this it's really hard to sum up your feelings on it because it can sound really contradictory because yeah. it is different for every game yeah um yeah. there are certain types of games where it's roughly the same experience but there's always exceptions it seems it makes it hard to really wrap your brain about how you actually think about this stuff yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and there are games that are Almost not designed for completionisting, but like 
games like I think of um, any like recent Mario title. Mm-hmm. Like I've only got X amount of stars or moons, whatever they happen yeah. to be, whatever celestial bodies they happen to be giving out <laughs> that year. And like, and it's fun to find more. But usually by the end of it, I was like, oh, it was nice. And like, I know it'll be fun to keep finding them. But I, I maybe because I am so like story and dialogue motivated. <laughs> I'm just like, I know what's going to happen here. Yeah. Um, and that's one where I, I do go fast. for all that stuff. Yeah. But, I, but to me, that feels part of the critical path. Yeah. Which is oh. what, which is my, my brain says it's fine to get all that stuff. Oh, okay. And not be done until then. Yeah. But, and I'm also motivated by story more than the average gamer, but I'm also just a huge Mario fan. Yeah. So, like, it's just an exception. It's yeah. Like, you want more Mario. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's, there's no unified theory of how I feel about it, I don't think. Yeah. Because every time I try to talk it out, I'm like, no, that's. It's only 80% true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That's, yeah. Ideally, we'd just be able to like pull up and be like, oh, yeah, I did 100% that game. I wonder why. Oh, it was because I like had almost 100%ed it and it felt easy. Yeah. Or be like, oh, I didn't even finish. And that's another thing that was mentioned in that Game Informer article. It was, I think it was referencing The Witcher, mm. Witcher mm. 3. And it was just like, according to like PlayStation trophies specifically only like 39 percent of the people finished the game at all yeah, yeah. so yeah it, it was their idea their That's thing high, was frankly yeah right. for the game that big right mm-hmm. yeah exactly and they they were like so is our packing and side quests keeping people from finishing your game does it feel like you're taking things away from your quote-unquote main game mm-hmm. yeah um, that's i was gonna ask about that from like a dev perspective like how can we use this kind of information to dictate yeah how to work on how to work on games and it's not like I don't know. I think in general, we kind of want to put as much content in our games as we can allow ourselves to because we, we like making games for a reason and we want people to like them, too. Yeah. Yeah. But like at the same time, I think there is I think there is something to the idea that like you've put so much in the game that it feels daunting or it feels like you, you get distracted from this thing and you just play too much of it and, and you never get to the end at a certain point due to the fact that there's just too much content. Yeah. Um, there's like a pacing thing going on with it as well. Um. So it's something to think about, but I don't know For how sure. to, yeah, I don't know how to like be like convince players to not complete, not play the game too much. Right. I, and I think my brain, every time I, I yeah. hear tell of the existence of a missable quest, my brain yeah. just shuts down. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, inhabiting yeah. your fake world where everything is doable for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't just take some quest away and then I'll be like well the game's rude now and I need to start over and I right. miss that companion quest oh, and I definitely think there the Normandy's is, gonna sink we've kind of <laughs> talked about like our different attitudes towards different games and yeah. our general feeling on this sort of stuff yeah but I wonder if the solution that AAA in particular has is it's X many hours to do the main quest X many times 10 to do all the stuff yeah and they feel that players will slot in some spectrum mm-hmm. between right. those things yeah but I feel like the answer isn't, I mean, really shorter games now, please, mm. is, is yeah. one solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think the other solution is like, like, don't try to make a game for 30 different types of players. Yes. Because, you know, we all, we do have our preferences, but like humans are malleable, right? Like you, you don't watch a Batman movie and said, mm, I wish his costume was, was green instead. <laughs> like, you don't? You know, because... <laughs> I'm so, always outside the theater like, you know what? They need a pink Batman. <laughs> so I wonder if there's just ways you could design for like, well, one, make make as many side quests as you want. Yeah. Make them part of the main quest. Make side missions that you don't do things that you can't do. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you if you go if you want to have different ty- types of playthroughs, yeah. you go through this way, suddenly all these side quests are no longer available to you. Yeah. So it can be a different experience on replay or for a different type of player with a different attitude. 
but don't worry about having it all available if you want it. Because that's like, why are we make, letting players make that choice? Yeah. Is that an interesting choice as a yeah. gamer? I don't know that it is. And I, I'll trick myself into a choice I'm not happy with. Mm-hmm. So why not just let the developer decide for me mm. how much of it I can do and let me decide which of it I'll do? Yeah. I think it depends on what kind of game you want, right? So I, I don't know why, but the so I've been looking at Daily Art app, which is an amazing app. You should uh-huh. check it out. Nothing to do with games. Mm. Except... Um, they have they cover like such a wide variety of art. Yeah. And there's this one, like I think medieval artist named I'm gonna butcher the name and that's okay because you can go to dailyart.com and you can like learn how to pronounce it. Um but it's like Hieronymus Bosch. You guys seen Bosch paintings? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're like chock full of wild scenes of things happening and there are like morality tales buried yeah. into these. You could stand in scenes. front of those paintings for a long time and you'd be like and there's always something just messed up happening yeah. in every corner. Of- in every corner. You're <laughs> yeah. never going to be able to take it all in. Like, yeah. you're, it, there's just so much. So what you look at, you know, what you decide to look at in that painting is the story of that painting that you take away as an individual viewer um, or experiencer or whatever. But then, like, the next day, they'll have something um, like, oh, I can't remember, but the, the guy who painted all the big red rectangles. Um, like who's afraid of red, white, and blue? Or oh, red, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Mondrian? And, huh? Mondrian? Maybe. That sounds right. Okay, maybe we'll link it. Um, and so like these abstract paintings that are like 16 feet long or whatever, and they're just like this rich color with layers and layers of color, and then like one striking blue. It's red, yellow, and blue. That's what it was. He did like a whole yeah, series. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. these two like bright lines, and it's a totally different thing, but like equally captivating, and maybe you'll spend just as much time on it. But like, it's okay. Those are both paintings and you can spend time in front of both and that's okay. Yeah. So I really think when it comes down to like grind and completionism, if that's a part of the dynamic that you're going for in your game, then ask people about it in your playtesting, yeah. you know? But to, to Mark's point, like you don't necessarily have to go to like an 80 to 100 hour time point yeah. to get that feeling yeah right. you know so i have a bosch sidebar um side quest. <laughs> side quest i did mean to say that <laughs> um it's like so painting like big like yeah medieval or no renaissance era like triptychs and stuff mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. one um painting where there's a some unnamed sinner who has sheet music printed on his butt wild yeah and this like it would made this it made this circle like the the rounds a while ago because someone had like actually stopped to like play the music that was on the sinner's butt oh. um so we got to like hear the little sheet music nice cool, cool, so cool. that's just a story about weird things happening in big paintings yeah but music and well, that's kind of the thing right is have ha- putting in all of this kind of content allows players to have theoretically anyways to have their own experiences if they don't feel like they have to do all the things, mm-hmm. right? right? There's no, there's no tracker of like how many like, uh, you know, sheets of butt score you've yeah. discovered, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Well, like in, you don't get a point for finding all it all. You just, you just see what you see, <laughs> and that's music. your experience. Yeah. And so, but yeah. if it was like, oh, if it was like, uh, there are 37 clues in right. this thing. See if you the can find them all. Uh, you know, which is like. Some compositions invite you to, to yeah, do that, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, um, children's games and so forth. Mm. Um, then it would be a different experience. Yes, right. Yeah, and I think that's that's what most video games. That's where they lean to. 
Yeah, I, I think that's true. But I also think that there are like little instances in even the big like Bethesda's or uh, yeah. Assassin's Creed or whatever, um, where they'll have little moments like that are like fun or interesting moments that have that are never scored or anything like that. Hmm. Overhearing um, NPC dialogue that's yeah. not prompted. Yep. Uh, details in the world. Yep. Lots of lots of games have that. Right. Um, but they're not attached to game mechanics. Yeah, and so they're not right. considered completionist things. Right. You know what? Right. It's, it's actually really fun. It's it's interesting. I've been playing Baldur's Gate three with some friends. Cool. Um, and it is. <laughs> I'm making it difficult for them. Um, <laughs> I've seen. I've Good. witnessed this yeah. personally. Partly yeah. because like I I'm less motivated to complete quests and more motivated to role play my character. In my, to, throwing to, things to impede your friends. No. <laughs> <laughs> more motivated to ruin their game. <laughs> It helps me a little bit, but that's, <laughs> that's part of the experience. My main motivation is to try to like role play as this character. And my character is not a good person. So like sometimes, <laughs> so sometimes like, a okay, I see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes people will like, you know, yell at me about a thing and I'll be like, I'm not taking that attack. And then like we're in a fight and I might accidentally kill a person who will give us a side quest down the line. Um, but Oops. I'm like, I don't know. This is the game. And also I haven't like played through the full game yet. So I don't actually know what, who gives what side yeah. quest. <laughs> So like I don't have any motivations for it. Right. So, so you're other people in the party and have. Then you play dumb about it. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, I don't have... fully play dumb. Sometimes I accidentally do stumble into fighting people. <laughs> it's true. I uh, was there once when like our mutual friend Aaron was like, "Okay, so that person was going to give us a quest." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's fine. And. <laughs> This is a real infinitely patient. Yeah. Look, <laughs> like, well, talk- how was I supposed to know? Well, it's, yeah. it's off the list now, so you yeah. play the game without it. Well, that's <laughs> exactly. the thing, right? Is like my my uh, my uh, my two friends. I'm playing it with my two friends and my brother. Me and my brother have been playing a bunch of different games, but we've barely gotten past the first act. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my other my other two friends have like played the games a lot already, and like they've gone through all of, a lot of the quests already. But like they did the same quests, as far as I could tell, in a similar fashion. They didn't attack people randomly and lose access to certain quests and things like that. And so, like, I'm doing that because, like, I'm trying to role play stuff. Um, but, like, that's the experience that I'm choosing for the game. And for the others. And, yeah, I'm choosing it for the others, too. Yes. As a result. Um, but I don't feel as bad because they've played it a few times. Right, <laughs> okay, fair enough. It'd be one thing if this was our first experience and I'm, like, killing everybody. Um, <laughs> one other thing did occur to me as I was kind of going through my, like, mental backlog. Like, when did I... 100% games. Yeah. It was also a scarcity thing. Okay. Like, yeah. I, yeah. like, bought one $60 game, like, when I'd been laid off, and I was like, this game's gonna last me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also, of course, like, being a kid, like, my yeah. parents were buying my games, and, like, games were are and were expensive, mm-hmm. and so we, you know, we make our la- Ratchet and Clank experience last. We wanted all those weird, yeah. like, shape sized heads and so on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so uh, there's a reason heads. I love Mario so much. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's, it's like it's it would that's keep what you I occupied. Yeah. 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 So I think like and that does play into being like, oh, there's so many other games. But this is from more of a like, no, but really this is all you have. You're not yeah. gonna download another game. You don't have another twenty, forty or sixty dollars. Uh you're gonna be one hundred percenting this one. Where right now I'm like, I can buy another ten dollar game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Holly. Hello. Are you on our Patreon? Who's asking? <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, let, me, let me pitch it to you. Let me pitch all right, it to you. All right. All right. Cool all right. All right. right. We've got ad-free episodes on the Patreon. Okay. Okay. We've got our, uh, when we worked on 
Roboston. We have a lot of that content, like our actual working experience there, which is cool. Behind the scenes. Um, we have a lot. Of, actually, we have a few like behind the scenes content. Um, in addition to that, we also have like like random asides that we've done. Just more time with us. And I hope I'd like to think that you like us, Holly. I mean, don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> but... Now, now, Stephen, yeah. you know, as evidenced from Holly's reaction, uh-huh. that might not be quite enough <laughs> to sell people on, on you know, uh, contributing on, on Patreon. But there's one final incentive, I think, which is that you help the show. Yes. Right? Absolutely. It's your way of saying, I like what you do. I enjoy getting an hour an hour plus sometimes <laughs> of, of valuable content mm. from this group and their friends and guests yeah. every week. Yeah. And you can get that feeling of appreciation and you can express that through the Patreon. Yes. And then there's all that extra stuff yeah. on top of that. Right, 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 right. Very good point. Very good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just guessing, Holly, that that's enough for you. True. I am a lover of the arts. <laughs> <laughs> And a supporter of audio content. Yes. Cool. <laughs> the real twist will come when we're leaving. So we'll just like close the door when she's about to leave. Patreon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll follow up. You heard it here convincingly so. We've made a sale today. Yes. <laughs> you too can help us. I mean, frankly, you especially, because I don't think we got all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's real shifty. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash nice games. We really need it. <laughs> <laughs> Where to put this stupid book? Floor. Oh, way to set it up. A deserving, a deserving place. I'm sorry. No, this, this book is terrible. Book. This book is wonderful. It's just, you guys. It's long. Uh huh. I've been, I know I've been occasionally talking about this book mm-hmm. and I've been occasionally reading this book yeah. mm-hmm. for like a freaking year. Yeah. Yeah. You put this topic on the, the future topics document maybe six months ago. A really long like, time ago. I'll finish it by then. Yeah. Super didn't. But in my, in fairness, I'm, I am going to read a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you'll understand why it's taking me so long. Real quick. What book are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> I bet you can guess if you're a past listener. <laughs> It is called <laughs> Pop Quiz. <laughs> Pop Quiz. It is called Educating Intuition by Robin M. Hogarth. And it was published about 20 years ago. Mm. Um, I wrote down in my notes. Oh no. You guys, guys, look at this note that I wrote myself at the beginning of the book. Oh no, it's dated 2021. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. But like, look, you're like two thirds through. And that text is pretty dense. Yeah. There Literally are sometimes. And- like it's dense figure yes in yeah. all senses of the word um sometimes there are charts let me find one for you here's here it is this looks like it's something out of an electrical engineering book it does yeah. it's yeah. not that chart's not giving me much um it looks explain. like a basketball play actually <laughs> it's, it's the brain um i'll explain it in a bit no it's um, not but first, I will say <clears throat> these things from this book directly i haven't read this section yet so i'll probably stumble over it but whatever Discussion of the framework presented in Exhibit 15 would be incomplete without considering the effects of feedback and understanding how this interacts with characteristics of the environment. Okay, stop. Nope, you get one more. <laughs> As noted previously, whereas cognitive processes occur inside the head, <laughs> g'der, 
<laughs> is that in the book? <laughs> that is that's your handwritten note. That would be my hand, handwritten note. Yeah. Where, where do cognitive processes occur <laughs> inside the head and cannot oh. be observed? Actions and outputs, that is boxes five and six from Exhibit Fifteen, occur for the most part in the environment and can be observed by both the person producing them and others. If you're not by yourself in a forest. Okay, so it's definitely just a textbook. It's very dense. All right. Um, but I mean, it's. It's dry to the point of pride, I would suspect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, I, it seems okay to me. <laughs> it doesn't seem terrible, but it you know, does like, read like a test. Editors yeah, exist yeah. and like co-writers. Like, it's, yeah. It's not what you'd call breezy. Like, yeah. You could have someone breezy. in there for punch up and for brevity, but they didn't. <laughs> I don't know. Robin. Not 20. Hogarth. He is. I think he is British. Okay. And it's published by the University of Chicago. They take themselves very seriously. Yeah. Uh. Okay, um, Robin M. Hogarth is the professor, well, was at this time the professor at Pompeo Fabra, Fabra um, ooh, and my Spanish is going to get a workout and it's going to be bad. Pompeo Fabra University in Barcelona, blah, 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 blah. What does this have to, okay, so did you learn anything from the book? All right, so the book. <laughs> That's what I want to know. So I have just basically gotten about halfway through the book. Okay. Right past the point where he's like describing his model, his framework for what intuition is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second half of the book this will take me hopefully not another two years to get through um, is about what you do to educate intuition, which is the name of the book. Uh, okay. So the pre- the premise of the, of it is that it's such a explaining it is so necessary to the, to the, the actual like action that you can take from the book. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's presenting it as a really daunting task. Well, I think so. I mean, I think the part of the challenge is that intuition as a, you know, as a word has a lot of like colloquial associations. Yeah. Um, and when we're talking about it in an academic context, you do have to be really specific because of all those other meanings that are bouncing around, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, like culturally informed ideas about intuition and who has better intuition and so on and so forth. And okay, where do those ideas come from? And do they have any reflection in reality? What does the science say? Holly looks like she's about to read something. No, I have huge news for you. Oh, no. This much is notes. Oh. So there's about 50 pages of notes at the end, so you are much closer to the end than you thought. Holly, the completionist. I always look at how many notes there are in your nonfiction books, because then you know how far you really are. Oh, my God. But you changed my life. Does she read the notes to finish the book? No. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you, Sorry. You, oh, wow. It's just, yeah, young Myers-Briggs, Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary. Myers-Briggs? Yeah. I'm here. 1976. Um, it's just yeah. a site so that you have, Yeah, pages 283 to 300 something are just notes. So those, you're, you're close to the end. And you've got, oh my God, this changes my life. <laughs> Literally, it changes my life. <laughs> At least the next four to six months of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, right. So there's lots of different ideas about what, what intuition is. You got to be really, in this book and its goals, you have to be really explicit about what we actually mean by intuition. Okay. And so to put it in a nutshell, I'm sure I've talked about this before because I've been reading this book for apparently two years. Um, <laughs> basically, it boils down to there are two like main systems in the brain when we think about cognition. Mm-hmm. One is a um, explicit system, like your consciousness system, and the other one's more subconscious and like tacit. So I think he talks about these as system one and system two. Unfortunately, I can't remember at this moment if system two is subconscious or system two is the conscious one. So I'm not even going to use those terms. I'm just going to say like conscious and subconscious. Okay. And so the idea about intuition is that it is um, it is basically like nudges from your subconscious. Mm-hmm. And your subconscious like 
is soaking up information all the time. Yeah, okay, so there's like a pre-conscious screen. There's like your perception. Yeah. And your perception's taking in all this information from your environment, from your senses. Mm-hmm. And it's basically making it's basically like a switch. You know, it's like, okay, this goes to subconscious, this goes to subconscious. Oh, this is important, it's going to conscious. So this is yeah. subconscious, this is subconscious. Just like a diverts between the two streams. Hmm. So you're getting a whole bunch of information just kind of like blah at your subconscious. Sure. And it is, you know, over time shaping your intuition. And so sometimes your pre-conscious screen um, and your subconscious is like directing your conscious self towards decisions and preferences and so on and so forth. And you're not, your conscious awareness, your conscious system isn't really aware of why. Yeah. And so that's the whole idea of intuition. I read through half of a textbook to get that far. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. I summarized it. <laughs> <laughs> Sources, they're in there in the last like 80s, you know, apparently 20 pages of book. Um, but yeah, so my thinking and the reason I wanted to bring it up on the show for just a few minutes is just like, I feel like that's a big reason. Like, that is a big force in guiding how we play games is intuition. Yeah. And some of that is what we intuit from having played other games. Like, mm-hmm. do you run left or do you run right? And right why? Yeah. But also just like knowing things about the world and how well, you know, like testing whether those 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 intuitions apply in the game. Um, and I think one of the things that can make gameplay super fun is when, you know, we talk about sometimes we get into that flow state, right? And so you're in this state of following your intuition, testing it and getting it confirmed and following the next intuition, getting testing it and getting confirmed. Or if you test an intuition and it doesn't give you the output that you expected, you test it again and you get it right. And if you don't have to test it too many times to have to like bring to bear your full conscious awareness, it doesn't feel effortful. Because you're yeah. just like following this flow yeah. of what your brain already uh, like knows how to do at least enough to make you want to try it. And then you try it and it's successful. That's a really rewarding loop. And so I've been thinking about intuition as like part of this, like this the driving force of like your gameplay loop. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, I just wanted to bring that up here and um, give me some reason for reading this thing. <laughs> um, and talk to you guys about that and see what you thought about it. Kind of sounds, well, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose when you're playing a game, you make a bunch of assumptions about what, how the game plays, right? And mm-hmm. what things are important, what things aren't important. And it sounds like, effectively, that's what intuition is. Mm-hmm. Um, But I guess I'm curious. I I, I wonder, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about like, like, there's different ways that like a player can approach a thing and then learn about a thing, but like maybe get the wrong lesson from that thing mm-hmm. because of just how the game works like i can imagine an instance where you jump on you're playing mario and you jump on a goomba and you're like okay i can jump on all enemies because i assumed i could jump on all enemies and it worked mm-hmm. and then you run into a spiny and then you jump on that spiny and you take damage you're like what the heck happened um i mean that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just like how well, people it, learn. it it uses that intuition to to guide um player discovery mm-hmm. yes yes right so another thing you can do is I'm thinking about like Baba is you, mm-hmm. where it's constantly fighting your intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it says almost as soon as you learn a thing, that won't help you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. next time, next time around. Yes, and that's that's a big part of the 
of the the sort of, of the loop of that game and kind of the joy of it mm-hmm. is to fight your intuition and focus only on your analytical sense. Yeah. yeah. Because that will reward you. And mm-hmm. that's a very and that's why some people don't like that game probably. Mm. Oh yeah. That is because it doesn't they can't get into that flow because it's not designed for you to do that. You know, what's really interesting though is how they and, and I think this kind of comes to play in really well designed tutorials. Mm-hmm. Baba is you is it leans on your intuition and then makes you counter it. And it starts in very yeah. small ways mm-hmm. and then builds these more complex and complex puzzles where you need to like lean on your intuition about this one game and then break it again over and over in bigger and bigger ways. Right. It, cha- it challenges more basic intuitions as you go for- further. But because yeah. you're now, you now learned the skill yeah. of, of fighting that. Yeah. 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 And, and I think we're, as a designer, you really got to think about like where that intuition can develop without you wanting it to. Mm-hmm. So just because it's on my mind right now, because I because I just traveled recently in the the in the Delta app where you sign in, right? You can you can have it um, on Android anyway. You can um, instead of your password, you can use your fingerprint, right? And it prompts you when you first sign in. Do you want to use your fingerprint now? And it's like okay, great. But I needed to switch between my account and Dale's account uh, just to check some things. And every time I tried to sign out, it immediately popped up the fingerprint scanner to sign back in. Oh, and I always pressed it. Oh, and, right. and I kept yeah. thinking like, wait, where am I now? And it's like, <laughs> oh, because my intuition was every time that thing pops up, it's because I'm because I want to sign in. Yeah. Right. And so I dozens of times this fooled me. Yeah. In a way that was it, it would fool me three times in a row. Absolutely. Yeah. Before I remember to dismiss it yeah. and type in a new username yep. and password. And and I think that's exactly mm-hmm. fits into this where it's just like, oh, you have to make sure that what you teach a player whether that it buries deep in their mind. You have to know that it's there and ma- and make sure to account for it if you need it to change. Yeah. I will get stuck in that loop on so many things. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. just like the opening, going into a room and being like, what was I coming here for? But yeah. like the app version mm-hmm. is like, why do I keep, why do I keep, why, why am I looking at the screen that I don't want to be looking at? Yeah. Like, oh, right. I was going to sign in. And then backing out and be like, why am I again? <laughs> it's just because mm-hmm. I'm like auto yeah. hitting like yes or something. Yeah. 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 My, my. Thought the thing that occurred to me with like learning intuition and testing, um, testing things that you have kind of like logged in the back of your mind is kind of the joy, and maybe this doesn't apply, but the joy that comes with finding something that subverts that expectation. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. the first thing that I thought of was like entering a game with no fall damage, and it was like the first time you like hit, like you fall from a really fall like far place and you hit the ground, and nothing happens. It's kind of like Oh, like it's just like a <laughs> little brain tingle. Like this changes things. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think that's um, yeah. As far as like subverting your intuition and like challenging what you thought you knew, I think um, with without it being difficult, like Baba is you, instead of being like opening up possibility. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Well, that, I mean, we were talking about uh, Tears of the Kingdom when you get the full glide suit. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no fall damage in the game. Yeah. yeah. And I will never remember that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I keep the glide suit on pretty much all the time in that game. Right. Yeah. And I completely forget that and I you can, always just, just, like, I can fall from that. an infinite height yeah. and it's much faster. Yeah. I can dive right into the planes. Yeah. I will, because I've I've taught myself. Yeah. Right. To Get pull that out the paraglider. Out. Yeah. Dons, yeah. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of hours. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, as soon as you get used to the no fall damage of the glide suit, speaking from experience, you'll have to like switch to a different That's kind of armor. That's the one time you put on the, you know, the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're like, gear. anyway, yeah, I'm going to s- plunge straight into, oh, to my death. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Shoot. Yeah. That behavioral momentum that. Your into that your subconscious systems can create 
and then deliver to your conscious system as part of it, like intuition is incredibly powerful, incredibly yeah. powerful and very and difficult to retrain. Yeah. And I think that one of the interesting like driving forces that is described in this book is how the reason that these two systems exist is that the brain is a very energy hungry organ. Mm-hmm. Like, so maybe not so much like in 2023, you know, like an, everyone, like, I don't know, some people are still very calorie starved. So like, I don't want to speak in generalities, but for many parts of the population, that's not really a, um, like having enough food to drive critical thinking on a regular basis is not necessarily like a problem or a gap. Your brain doesn't know that. Like your brain is still running on like a very, very old OS. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't know that it can just like, okay, just, you know, eat more. There's a granola bar in the fridge. Like it will try to shunt as much activity as possible into your intuitive system. Um, and that's why there are these patterns like chunking where you can like, instead of remembering one digit in a series, you chunk it into three digits in a series. And then instead of, re- you know, remembering nine digits or 10 digits, you're remembering a chunk and a chunk and a chunk. Um, those kinds of things and mental patterns yeah. are there to help um, make your brain and make thinking more efficient. And that puts it in perspective to me how difficult it is to unlearn a thing because like you spend all this energy learning a thing. Yeah. And so like you have to both sp- put in the energy to not learn the thing and then put in the energy to learn a new thing. Exactly. That's difficult. Yeah. That intuition can be so powerful that yeah. like, even in the moment when you're making an effort, yeah. it can still overpower you. Yes. So a really good example of that is, uh, I forget the exact name of it. It's like the uh, uh, passing through doors theory where mm-hmm. the, the reason you forget your keys when you exit the room is because your brain, it's like a threshold and your brain is like done with everything in there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it just wipes your short-term memory ready for the new thing. Yep. So yeah. you'll enter a room and like, why am I here? Yep. And it's not like that is literally because your brain is deliberately forgetting because yes. it thinks. And no amount of socialization or or focused thinking in the moment can fully fight off that impulse yeah. Yeah. that is just autonomic. Yeah, it's using your your subconscious essentially and is influencing your conscious and your conscious thought. And uh intuitively purging every every part of the contextual like thing you are working on right, right? like right. everything in your working memory your brain is like okay uh, everything in working memory we're going to shorthand using the environment as a way to make sure that we know what's relevant and now we've changed the environment so all the stuff that was in your working memory is obviously no longer relevant bye yeah it's not it's just not it's not a system capable on its own of dealing with complicated systems even though that's all our lives are now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's that's how powerful it is. Right. Exactly. So um, I think the only th- other thing I think I would add to this conversation is I think this is and the reason that I keep pushing myself to get through this book is that I think this is the reason why I believe games can be so powerful as a learning tool. Yeah. Because if you can we can use games to shape intuition about um like patterns that occur in the real world then we can we can hack the human brain right and give people strong um correct intuitions about certain things that they might not necessarily encounter frequently enough in real life to develop intuitions about yeah um so or like um a good tool for therapy or something like ptsd and overcoming like some kind of intuition that got ground into you by a traumatic event or by something else like games can help kind of rewire yeah right and those things are not always there because of repetition it's because sometimes of of like 
uh, intensity. Yeah, yeah intensity right? too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, when you get through the second half of that book, uh, we'll do another. No, we're done. Or two? No. No, I'm not bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm gonna find someone else who can just talk about it more and, yeah. and better. <laughs> well, we'll have to put the uh, book in the show notes for folks who want to take that journey on their own. Then. Yeah. Yes. See, well, that's not a new. You make it sound really you fun. You could get like you could have an audiobook playing at like 1.25. And like hope and, you know, get getting parts of it, but it's too old of a book. And I think it's just too dense. That even, too dense. Yeah. I can't imagine listening and comprehending. Like, now I, I, I want an audio book of Ellen begrudgingly reading it to me. Yeah, it's just a, a sigh after every sentence. It's like a 12 hour audio book. Just, yeah. All, with all of her notes in the margins. Included. Yeah. Just cognition. Inter- oh, just occurs in the head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, okay. Uh, mm. Here's a diagram. Uh, look it up. <laughs> If you say so, Robin. (laughs) Hey, that's our show. For show notes and links on today's topics, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on social media at Nice Games Club, where Dale posts about game dev resources and the Game Devs of Color Expo online 2023. Reply on the various platforms or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon, where you'll find Holly and all sorts of other people (laughs) enjoying and appreciating the show. Mm -hmm. Support the show and get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be hosting a horror game dev panel. Steven's real excited for that one. Real excited. But Ellen's hosting it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that's it for this week. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Mix it into a lot of things, but music, music, and then get the clip of you saying hip hop horn and also put but music, but music, hip hop horn, but music. Well, that song I wrote needs lyrics, so. Um. Oh no, I lost it again. Shoot, where'd it go? Flippity, 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 flip, flippity, flip. No, audio format, so it's helpful. Yeah, Yeah. flip, flip, but music, (laughs) hip hop horn. Okay, um, here it is. I was too far back. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.